Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come. Uh, several years ago now, uh, more than what I can remember right off the top of my head, I was broken and beaten and rejected and dejected. And uh, God sent two uh, Samaritans by my house. And uh, I just, uh, I stopped sending flowers to people's funeral. I want to give them their flowers before then, don't you? And I want to thank Henry and Beth Jones for coming when nobody else came. And uh, I'm here today probably because of God using them to minister in Linda and I's life. And I think you ought to give your pastor a hand every once in a while. Say amen right there. And to tell you what these last years have meant to Linda and I, I, there's no way I can do that. Uh, All of you have poured into our life so many different ways. Brother Chuck, uh, if it wasn't for Chuck Coburn, I wouldn't even know how to turn my telephone on. Okay. (laughs) What a blessing that man is to me. And and not just in that way, the the way he hungers after God. Uh, Yes. Amen. And all the rest, Brother Al and, and, uh, you know, Brother uh, Blackie and and then Derek Gray. What about him? Any kind of special? Amen. But I really want to. I want to thank a lady. Uh, she's probably going to get a little bit embarrassed, but maybe she'll get over it. Uh, Susan Jones is here today, and you don't know this, but years ago, my wife uh, passed out in a Sunday school classroom. And Susan Jones, because I was preaching that morning, gathered her up and took her to the hospital in Tallahassee. Come to find out my wife had died. Uh, she was dead for 20. She's shaking her head. She said she's never dead. She, she always played this down. Uh, and it didn't happen just once or twice. We, we were in meetings all over the country and she just kill over them. It ruins a sermon when your wife falls out on the floor. And... Uh, but Susan got her to the hospital that day and made sure they took care of her. And she, that very day, had to have a pacemaker put in. And since that time, other than me, she's had no problems whatsoever. <laughs> Those of you that are going to Israel with us, we are going to have an administrative meeting, a very informative meeting, immediately following this service over in the administration building. If you would still like to go with us, you can. We have 21 who have signed up to go from our church and from other churches, and uh, we want you to go. And uh, you can come to that meeting and be immediately following this service. I will not be able to be with you next Sunday. I had planned to challenge our pastor to a skiing competition. <laughs> However, I, uh, I'm just not able to make it. So. <laughs> You will be praying. There's so many of you that we don't know. There's so many of you that have come into the church recently. Thank you. God bless you. This is the place. Have you noticed? 
I tell you, God loves this place, and uh, thank you for being a part. But uh, uh, you've got your Bible, if you will, please take it for just a moment this morning and find the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. And again, thank you for your attendance here today. Now, you've got the Word of God. Some of you got to turn it on. Some of you got to do whatever you got to do. But hopefully you got an old Bible around. Amen. 13th chapter of the book of Matthew is known as the kingdom of heaven chapter. There are several seven parables that Jesus gave, all of them starting with this phrase. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like seven times. You will find that in this chapter eight times. You will find that phrase kingdom of heaven for our limited time this morning. Would you look at verse number 44? The Bible says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that is hid in a field. The which when a man hath found it, he hideth. And for the joy, (laughs) he found the treasure and he hides the treasure. And then the Bible has this wonderful phrase, and for joy. Thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and he buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man who is seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you as humbly as we know how today. Realizing that it is not within us to say anything that would draw men to you. That has to be done through the Holy Spirit of God. And so, Father God, we pray today in all earnestness and with all expectation. Let the Holy Spirit of God draw men to you today. Preach through us because within us there's no good thing. But God, you in Christ Jesus working in and through us. Accomplish that which you would have accomplished. And Father God, we praise you for this moment in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. In these two parables, our Lord states that everyone who comes to the kingdom of heaven comes either as a surprised finder or a serious seeker. And the underlying truth of the parable is this. That whether you come to the Lord as a surprised finder or a serious seeker, you must be willing to give up everything to enter the kingdom of God. Everyone, I, I know, likes the thought of buried treasure. I mean, after all, that's why they sell lottery tickets, right? Our heart thrills at the thought of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Things like that do happen. John MacArthur tells of a couple in California who bought beach property. And as they were walking their dog along the shore of their own property, they saw something sticking out of the sand. They began to dig around in the wet sand and found out that it was a corroded tin can. And as they dug in the sand, they found more tin cans. All of the tin cans 
containing pieces of gold that were minted in San Francisco between 1847 and 1894. More than 1,400 coins were found. Estimated value at over $10 million. One coin by itself was valued at over a million dollars. It is believed to be the most valuable treasure ever uncovered in the United States. We think of things like that and we say, wow, I wish that could happen to me. Well, in Jesus' day, it was a lot more common. In Jesus' day, people didn't go to the bank. Money changers were not trustworthy. Uh, uh, the threat of war, unscrupulous neighbors, all of these things were constantly bombarding the householders. And many times, not just a, occasionally, but many times, they would take their valuables and they would place them in earthen ceramic type jars and they would bury them in their yard. Can you imagine? Do you know that the rabbinical records even have laws concerning who the money belongs to if you found it? And I, I, I was reading this and I thought it was kind of funny. If you buried your money in the wall surrounding your house, if you buried it past the halfway point of the wall, it was anybody who found it. But if it was on your side where the house was built... Well, it was still yours. If they were out there digging in the yard and they came across your treasure, they did not have to tell you it was even there. They just kind of said, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Josephus recorded that after the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by Titus, that the Romans dug up a great deal of wealth from the surrounding area, an attempt to keep this treasure from the hands of the Romans. Jesus used this common practice of hide. That's not my phone. The common practice of hiding the treasure in the ground to speak of the greatest treasures of all. And that is the treasure of heaven. Look at verse 44 again. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, which when the man hath found, he hideth. And for the joy thereof, he goeth and selleth all that he hath, and he buys that field. And you can picture this in your mind. There is a, a, a day worker. He's working for a Daenerys, a, about 14 to 19 cents in our modern economy. It's just enough to get him through one more day. This is his plight. He does not own the mule he is plowing. He does not own the plow. He does not own the field he is plowing in. But he is working there as a day laborer. As he is plowing, his plow point strikes something in the ground. It's not unusual to hit rocks. It's not unusual to hit roots. But this has a different sound to it. And so laying the plow to the side, he gets down and begins to claw through the dirt until he comes across that ceramic vase, that ceramic jar. It's every plow boy's dream. He has met, he has come to the, the wheel of fortune and he is the winner and, and he lifts up that jar and it's filled with treasure. And Jesus said, he looks around and he goes and he hides it. In another piece of ground. 
And then he goes home and he sells everything he got. He, maybe he's got a little bit of hut. Maybe he's got a little mat to lay on. Maybe he's got, you know, a few little things, maybe some chickens. And the Bible says all of his worldly possessions, he with joy sells everything. And he comes and he buys the field. Now, we know the treasure wasn't belonging to the field owner because he would have said, uh, yeah, you can buy my field, but let me first go get my stuff out of it. He didn't do that. And so he bought the field and the treasure. He is a surprised finder. He wasn't looking for treasure that day. Had you asked him when he got out of bed that morning, are you going to, are you going to find treasure today? He would have just laughed at you. He was just there and it was just there. Now, if you want scriptural reference for this, Isaiah 65 and verse number one, here's what the word of God says. I sought for them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. Again, Paul writing over in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 20. He says this, but Isaiah is very bold and saith, I found, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Surprise finder. The idea is that the Lord loves you so very much that he will come to where you are and he will reveal himself to you and the promise of the kingdom of God and is to all mankind. Titus 2.11 said he has revealed himself to all of mankind. But this is not something that's new to the Bible or the New Testament. There in John chapter 4, there was a woman who had come to the well of Sychar. She was a woman of immoral immorality. She had been married several times. The man she was living with was not her husband. And had you asked her, are you going to get saved today? She would have laughed. But she came there to the well. And lo and behold, who is at the well? None other than Jesus. And she leaves with a well in her heart. Again, the word of God tells us over in Acts chapter number 9 that there is this Jew, a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had his own religion. He was very convinced and very confident and very comfortable and living like he was living. He was above reproach in his own eyes. And yet as he traveled on the Damascus road, not looking for the Lord, the Lord revealed himself unto Saul of Tarsus. And he became Paul the Apostle. But it doesn't stop there. Go a little bit further. There's a Philippian jailer in Acts the 16th chapter. One who is, it was a a Roman who is beating prisoners, who is eating his supper and laid down to sleep. And yet the Bible says at midnight, he had an appointment with God. He was a surprised finder. Acts chapter 3, the man who's laid at the gate beautiful. And the disciples go in, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give thee, such as I have, I give thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. He is a surprised finder. And our world today, there are churches meeting all over the globe. There are people in those churches. They are not looking for Jesus. They are at church because it's what they do. They're at church maybe because a pretty girl asked them to go to church. Maybe they're in church because mama 
told them they were going to church? Regardless of why they are there, they are not there seeking the Lord. They are simply there and the Holy Ghost of God, like I'm hoping he will do to some of you to do today, will speak to your heart. Unexpecting to make an eternal decision, the Holy Ghost of God leads you to trust Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven is birthed into your life. As a surprise finder. How long has it been for those of you that are saved since you opened this book and you found buried treasure? Yeah. Things in here that are wonderful, beautiful. Marvelous. Somebody reading the Bible said, I just don't understand all of that because you've got the wrong interpreter. Not the wrong interpretation, the wrong interpreter. You see, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God reveals God's word to us. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that comes and begins to reveal to those of us who are saved the precious promises of glory but that's not the only thing that Jesus said he goes further in this passage of scripture and says in verse number 45 again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and he bought it Altogether different from the the farmer plowing in the field. Here is a, a wealthy pearl merchant. He is a wholesaler of precious valuables. He lived and he moved on a, a grand scale. No one in this room can even imagine the, the, the wealth of this pearl merchant. And then one day he goes to see another merchant. They have their usual greeting at the door. How's your wife? How's the cow? How's the mule? How's the camel? They have a little tea. They come in. They sit down. They talk about business, how things are going, how things are up, how things are down. And then finally, the owner of the house says, I have something to show you. And he brings out this cloth. And in the unfolding of the cloth, there is this one perfect pearl. And the pearl merchant is so enamored he's got to have that pearl listen and the bible says he sold everything all of his stocks all of his bonds all of his treasury bills all of the things he had in holding all of the things he had set aside for a rainy day and for retirement he sold it he sold it all to buy that one Pearl, you say, well, that's a fairy tale. Nothing happens like that. People have more sense than that. In 1920, a lady by the name of May C. Plant, a wealthy socialite in the New York area, uh, sold her Fifth Avenue mansion for the sum of $1 million. In 1920, she sold her mansion for $1 million. It almost bankrupted her. She sold it that she could buy one single strand of pearls that she could not live without. Selling it all. 
This is a, a serious seeker. This is a pearl merchant. His job is to look for pearls. He is in the business of looking for pearls. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this pearl merchant who's searching and searching and searching. And when he finally finds that perfect pearl, he willingly sells Oh, The New Testament is rife with people who sought after the Lord. In John chapter 3, there's a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. And as he comes to Jesus, he's a searcher. He is seeking. Lord, we know not. Any man can do what you do unless God be with him. Nicodemus, thou must be born again. Again, the word of God tells us in Acts eighth chapter of this Ethiopian eunuch who had traveled to Jerusalem, all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. The dust from the horses, the stench, all of that was transpired. Yet he traveled because he was searching for the truth of God's word. And be there in that eighth chapter that Philip, that he would come to that Ethiopian eunuch and the heaven of God, the kingdom of God would be birthed into his heart. And into his life. It happens again in Luke the 5th chapter. There, there's a crowd following Jesus everywhere he goes. He's been preaching and teaching. And the crowds are coming to him. But there in chapter number 5 of the book of Luke. There is this leper. And he pushes through there. Hey, he's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to holler unclean. And everybody's supposed to get away. But he pushes through the crowd. And he comes to Jesus. And people are aghast. And they're putting their hand over their mouth. Because they thought leprosy was so contagious. And they just they withdraw from him. And he comes and he bows before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word of God says he besought him. In the Greek is the word demoni. And it literally according to Thayer's Greek, ne- ne- Greek New Testament words. Has this meaning. Having a deep personal need. A realization of want. A feeling pressing because of lack. To make urgent appeal. To have a deep personal need. Causing one to beg. Have you come to him like that? Are you a serious seeker? Of our Lord. In Matthew's gospel. The 17th chapter. That Jesus has gone up on the mountain. With the three of the disciples. Peter, James and John. They've had the wonderful mount of transfiguration experience. And when they come back down. There's this father. And he comes to Jesus. And he said. I've got a boy. He's filled with a demon. He throws himself in the fire. He is a detriment to himself. He's not the last father that ever said that about their son. Okay. And this father looks at Jesus and said, I brought him to your disciples. But they could do nothing. And Jesus said, do you see he's a serious seeker? He's not going to be stopped by some powerless disciples. He's going unto the Lord Jesus Christ and using these two illustrations. He says that everyone that's birthed into the kingdom of God falls into one of two categories. There are those who are surprise finders. And then there are those who are serious seekers. But the point that Jesus brings in these two parables is not how you come to the Lord. But your willingness 
to accept the kingdom of God when confronted with the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying that you buy the kingdom of God. God forbid, we know that our salvation has already been purchased. We are not redeemed with corruptible things, 1 Peter chapter number 1, like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a lamb without spot or without blemish. Romans 5, 8 says that God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you never can buy salvation. But when confronted... With salvation. According to these two parables that Jesus taught. One must be willing. To divest himself of all that he is. That he may take all that he is. The apostle Paul said it this way. First Corinthians chapter 15. He said I must die daily. A very familiar passage of scripture, Galatians 2 and verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved himself and gave himself to die for me. But perhaps the greatest of all of the scriptures that help us to understand this is when Paul would write in Philippians chapter 3 and verses number 7 and 8. He said, I count everything, my riches, my schooling, my, 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 my reputation. I count them all as dung. All as loss. Why? That I might have him. That I might have him. Christ must be preeminent, not just a part of your life. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said this. If anyone would come to me, and he hates not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, and his sister, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Again, Luke chapter 14, verse 33. And so likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. For where a man's treasure is... That's where his heart will be also. Again, Jesus would ask the question, what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? He said, well, preacher, preacher, you you mean to tell me that in order for me to get saved, I got to give up everything I got? He told one that, but only one. There has to be this willingness in your heart to put him on the throne. This is what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 23 and verse number 13. God said, I will be found of you when you seek me with your whole heart. Jesus taught that every problem that you have is a problem of your heart. You know, we talk around here about people having their chains broken. We talk about people around here having their lives changed. We talk about people around here getting saved. And I'm going to say something from my heart. I believe after 40 plus, 46 years, I guess now, of preaching the gospel. The reason that people don't have the assurance of salvation that is promised in this Bible 
is because that when they came to the Lord, quote, they were reaching for God and trying to hold on to the things of this life. And Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other or love the one and hate the other. No man can serve God and mammon, which is the world. So I'm asking you today, are you a surprise finder? You said, man, I didn't know I was going to get into this when I came to church this morning. I came in the back door a while ago and somebody said, hey, that guy's wearing a suit. And the other one said, yeah, that's that old man. Don't worry about him. He's okay. <laughs> you came not expecting to have the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart and tell you, sir, you'll not get into heaven because you've got a baptismal certificate. Ma'am, you will not get into heaven because you've joined the church. Sir, you will not get into heaven because you stopped doing what you used to do. You will only get into heaven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, today in Jesus' name, with all this within me, I bow in your presence. I realize, God, that there are some that, that came to church this morning and getting saved or, or giving their life to you and having those chains break off of them that have plagued them for so long. They really didn't know that that's what we were going to be dealing with. And yet today they've heard truth. They've heard your word. And today they want to come. And they don't want to give you part of their life, Lord. Yes. They want to give you their life. It's like that old farmer, the Bible says, with joy. He went and sold everything he had and came and bought the field. And there are some, Lord Jesus, who, who they've been seeking. They, they've been looking. They, they've tried other churches. They've tried other religions, other denominations. They, they're searching. They, 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 want, they, they don't want to end life without being prepared. And, and so, God, they've come searching. And I pray this morning... Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, reveal yourself to them today. Let them know that it's not about what they are doing. It's all about what Jesus did. And because they love him. They're willing to turn their back on the things of this world. That they might prepare for the kingdom of heaven. Our eyes are closed, please, our heads are bowed. Would you stand very reverently, very quietly to your feet this morning? Standing all over the building, thank you for that. If you can stand, if you can't stand, we understand that. Our pastor's coming to the front as well as our staff. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.